0: Hello beautiful people. My guest today is Iman Ghazi, but before we get into the conversation with Iman, I first want to bring a quick note to you about a scheduling change for this podcast. Previously, we were publishing episodes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and moving forward, we will be publishing episodes Monday and Friday, just twice a week. Moving forward, And the reason for that is because I want to increase the attention and awareness of this podcast. I love doing this. I love connecting with people. I love learning about their story and trying to connect with them in that moment. But I also understand that if I want to do this on a bigger scale, if I want to get bigger guests and be able to do these shows in person, and hire a producer, I need more people to know who I am. And the current best way to do that is through Instagram Reels, TikToks, and YouTube Shorts. From my perspective, that's where the attention is. And so that's where I'm going to be spending my time to try to tell stories like Iman's in shorter clips. Think anywhere from 20 seconds to 60 seconds. And I actually did one on Iman today that you can access on my TikTok, YouTube Shorts, and and on the Instagram Reels. So that's just a little about the scheduling change but right now, I want to get into the guest, Iman Gadzi. His story is incredible. He started freelancing when I think he was 14, 15, 16 years old. He then started an agency. And after that, he started teaching other people how to create agencies himself. By 18 years old, he had $1 million in the bank. By 22, he's got over $10 million of capital to play with. And it's a really incredible story and I'm just really honored to be able to tell it and to be able to share and showcase his his journey. In this conversation, we spoke monk mode, we spoke his own breakdowns, and we spoke about the books that he's really interested in, and a lot more. So I hope you get some value out of this, and I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any thoughts about this episode, let me know on Twitter, at Hey HeyDannyMiranda. But until then... Let's get right into the episode with Iman Ghazi. Interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. Iman Ghazi, the man, the myth, the legend. Absolute honor to have you here. You know, like I was telling you before we hit record, I've been following your story, your journey in and out for the past, I don't know, five, six years. So I've been very familiar with you and I'm extremely grateful for you being here today.
1: Oh man, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, it was quite interesting. We were talking off camera. I think if you tracked like our YouTube recommended subscription box for the last six years, or <laughs> linearly, I'll probably all have the exact same stuff for the last six years
0: yeah um, so before we get into all that and the progression, which i I do want to talk about, I first want to ask about brooks Brixton Bookmongers. What's that all about
1: um so Brixton bookmongers um yeah, you did her you huh? um Brixton bookmongers um, was uh, my favorite bookshop in London because uh you would get places like waterstones um which I would hang out at quite often actually, but never buy a book from there. Cause it was like 12, 13 pounds to buy a book. It's like, whatever, like $15. Uh, and then you could go to bricks and bookmongers. And uh, I would actually like do all these calculations in my head. So back when I was before that, I think they age of 17 in London, you have like a, something called an oyster card. So like, that's how you like get around your travel card. So like, it would be free on the bus. Um, so I would either take the bus or if I was feeling a little a little generous to myself, I'd take the tube, it was a lot quicker, uh, but you'd still get like 50% off, so it cost me whatever, like a a pound to get there, uh, and then for, rather than spending 15 pounds on one book at Bricks and Bookmongers, because it was a used bookstore, uh, you get three, four, sometimes even five books for that price, um, and yeah, it was, uh, you know, at that time when I was going uh, between 2014, 2017, I was reading, uh, or I'd say late 2016, uh, I was reading a book a week, so... Yeah, that was pretty convenient for me. I was a little bit more economical.
0: What types of books were you looking for around that time? Uh, man, a um,
1: bit of everything. Like, you know, the 2014, when I first started reading, of course, it's like, you know, your, your usual uh, rich dad, poor dad, um, your, uh, you know, think and grow rich. Um, but very quickly, I got into some more like esoteric books uh uh, when i was 14 i think it was 14 or maybe 15 uh red wave superior man uh that book obviously i think has shaped a lot of um young men uh you know read books like the Kabbalion, um read books like i mean it's quite like weird books for like a 14 15 year old to be reading like uh, you know five long uh, love languages um uh just just have sort of very wide like spectrum and a lot of stuff because um, i was like you know i think like i was 14 15 and i knew i didn't know what i was gonna build but i knew i was gonna build something great and from an early age i don't know why i had a intuition that i should probably build myself up to be great first mm-hmm. if that makes sense because uh yeah as i said i was quite young and i was like at 15 i don't you know 14 15 i don't really know if i'm gonna you know, build a massive business. And first of all, that wasn't really even in my scope back then. Um, you know, I always thought from the age of 14, I was like, oh, I'll be a real estate agent. It was a really cool uh, show uh, on, you know, I used to watch called A Million Dollar Listing. Uh, and especially like the U.S. ones, because um, in the U.K., uh, in London where I was living, I didn't know this at the time, but you don't actually really make much money as a state agent. Uh, so I was watching like the U.S. one and I was like, man, it was so entertaining. I was looking at the commissions. I was like, This is insane. And I was like, oh, and you don't have to get a university degree. Like from the age of 14, I was like, there's no chance in hell I'm going to university. Um, Like I even told my mom, I was like, there's no chance. Um, So I was, initially the plan was become a real estate agent and then eventually get into the property game. So, yeah. Mm.
0: Well, it seemed to have worked out for you so well. But I want to talk just about that uh, situation of dropping out of high school. Mm. Because four days before you dropped out of high school, you passed by your principal's office when you overheard a conversation that one of your teachers said, that's what happens when you have a kid that young. <laughs> it's a pretty crazy statement to overhear about yourself mm. at that age. What was, how did that come to be where you overheard that? And how did that imprint on you going forward?
1: Shit. Danny, I, sorry if I can't swear, but um, yeah, Danny, you <laughs> can. But- <laughs> You've done your research, man. That's, I'm impressed. Um, yeah, so basically, I had uh, I had a very like uh, funny upbringing where like me and my mom were on um, government benefits at some point. At some point, she was working minimum wage. Like my mom was married to my stepdad, but it was sort of like mutually beneficial. But I never really see my, saw my stepdad. It was a it was a very weird childhood. It was a very very difficult childhood. Um, uh, but it was just intre- interesting, I guess. So. Anyways, long story short, um, it was weird because I went to private school, uh, but then my mom and I were on like government benefits, which is kind of like the same thing as like welfare. Um, and you know, it was basically just me and my mom having a fend for ourselves. Um, so, some of my friends knew this, like my close friends knew this. Other people didn't. Um, I got very close with some of my teachers, and some of my teachers knew this. You know, only just a few; the rest didn't. So you know, I guess whatever you, you see uh, this kid and, you know, it looks like he's throwing away his life because whatever, he's, uh, you know, not focusing in school and, um, you know, and he's dropping out and, you know, he's in a private school and, you man, you know, I guess all, you know, to give some credit to uh, the teacher that I overheard say that, it's like, obviously it's not a nice thing uh, to say because first of all, she's not even talking about me, she's talking about my mother, you know, that whatever, um, that's what happens when you have a kid that young as in like, you know, my mother was somehow unfit to have me, uh, you know, considering she had me at 22, which by the way, like, uh, when you're like, when you have a Russian mother, that's actually pretty old. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, I guess some credit to her, um, I guess I can understand how it's like from the outside, but yeah, some of my teachers knew that like I dropped out of school when I dropped out of school, I was making uh, equivalent of like, maybe like eight, $9,000, $10,000. Um, So some of my teachers knew that, some didn't, and also like the reason I wasn't focusing in school was, well, actually I hated school. Like actually I probably wouldn't focus regardless, but you know I, I was. It's not like I was I don't know on uh, playing some game or something. Like I was literally doing client work like while I was in class. You know I was reaching out to potential clients. I was sending out proposals, doing all the things that actually don't work, but whatever you you think they make sense because you you just start off in the world of business. So yeah. Uh, it was a uh, obviously it was not a nice thing to hear. Cause for me, it's like, you know, I, I don't ever care if someone throws or back then, especially if, you know, now obviously my mom gets applaud as like, you know, uh, oh, you know, you're a superhero and you know, you, you did so well as a mother. And then it's like, you know, in 2017, people looked at her and even, you know, the parents, uh, you know, in my school, like, you know, the, the, the people in my school's parents like looked at her like a failed mother and this and that. And then now they're like, hold them up. but, you know, you can't, you can't hold grudge. Like that's, that's just the way the world works, I guess. Uh, you know, it all looking back, it all makes sense. But at the time, you know, it looks like the worst decision ever. So yeah, whatever. Like, uh, it was what it was.
0: Yeah. Did you, did you use that as a chip on your shoulder at that time? Like I'm going to show this teacher. Yeah. Was, take that.
1: I mean, it wasn't so much the teacher. I think it was just kind of everyone. And I guess like for me as mm-hmm. well, going to private school, it was very like like there's a lot of people who take pride in the things that their parents have done, which was just always kind of got under my skin. And even to this day, like, you know, I, especially growing up in London, like, and then it's like going to private school, but then having like the, probably the most financially challenged upbringing of everyone I knew. Cause it wasn't even like we had no money. It's like, it was, I had no money, had to support my mom. Then when I turned 18, like just went through a whole crazy year in terms of like my mom and my stepdad finally divorcing and, like, having to spend a lot of money in legal fees because he was basically just a a psychopath and a lot of slander stuff and trying to keep us in the country. Just a lot of crazy, crazy stuff. But anyways, um, you know, so it wasn't so much like a on my shoulder towards the teacher. It was more just like, I don't know, like I said, I I don't like people who uh, take – like, for me, I don't know. Like, I I, I like – I think you you have to earn your stripes, right? And uh, you know, growing up, uh, I guess in the school that I did, a lot of people took pride in the things that their parents had accomplished, uh, and I uh I mull over that a lot when I think about how I'm going to raise my children. Um so
0: Yeah, I was listening to another podcast you were in to research this one and I heard you say I'm not going to leave my kids anything basically, and it's That's all cool. going to go to uh you know, schools in Nepal or building schools in other places. I thought that was interesting. What makes you say that? And what are your plans to raise your children? Because I know you're only 21 or 22 right now, but you're very forward thinking in your approach and, and your life. So I know you've, you've thought, thought about the, the plan <laughs> you're going to raise your children with.
1: Yeah, so with my children... Um, you know, it's a tough one because I want to give them the best education possible. Um, and basically the thing is with my children is I never want to give them something that they get a sense of pride from that they haven't earned themselves. Like for example, my, you know, I'm very uh, into watches. I will never give my, you know, everyone wants to sort of pass down and watch their child. I'm okay. Like maybe when they're 30 or something like that um, and they've made it on their own, maybe then I'll pass something down and it'll be meaningful. Uh, but I don't want or if it is, like, for example, let's say if I give my kid something on their 18th, it'll be, you know, a watch that's still pretty expensive. Um, you know, maybe like a, a Jäger Lukut, like a, a very, a watch person's watch, you know, that's very expensive, but like, no, you know, they're not going to walk into school and be like, oh, I have a JLC on my wrist. Whereas like, you know, you give them a, a Rolex for even one, you know, half the price and they walk into school and, you know, everyone thinks they're cool and this and that. So, yeah, my kids aren't going to get anything because it's like, man it's uh all this stuff is very like money is really like fucks you up honestly like money fucks you up um even to this day like i i fight with it like i'm it, it's a really weird thing like when you're when you have money and it's you know like everyone says yeah, i hear this all the time like instagram is probably the worst place to get your advice from onerous because it's just a cesspool of just the stupidest shit i've ever heard like uh, you see all the time, like money doesn't make you happy, but I'd rather cry in a Toyota than a Lambo. It's like, that's not true at all. Like it's way worse to cry in a Lambo. Cause if you cry in a Lambo, then it's like, genuinely it's like, there's nothing left to hide. Like you're naked. It's like, you're unha like, you're crying cause you're fundamentally unhappy. And that's really scary. And like, I've even faced that in the past few years where it's like, I'm not happy. And it's like, and it's not an extended period of time, uh, but it could be, even a couple months or something. And I'm like, you're not happy because like you, like there's nothing left. Like there's no, there's no l- next check mark that you can be like, okay, once I get that, then I'll be happy. It's like, you've, you've checked all the check marks that you could, one one could want. Like it's your fucking fault, dude. Um, So as I said, I think money just brings a, a whole host of like just weird complications. And, uh, you know, I generally think is like, and I, and I will say I had this uh, and, you know, here's where, uh, here's where here's a clip that uh, um, some I'm, I'm sure someone will clip this and, and then, uh, you know, uh, hold it up as a, as a way to cancel me. But, you know, uh, luckily, I'm, I'm so if anyone see my social media, I'm like, I try to cancel myself before anyone else can cancel me. <laughs> like I, I really am. Uh, I talk about anything and everything. Um, I think it's very different for men and women, uh, men without work. Uh, have no, and by the way, this can be the masculine and the feminine polarity. So those women who are very—it's a small sliver. It's it's no more than ten percent. But like, there's women who are really just very masculine in the core, and men who are just very feminine in their core. And you know, so I'm talking more about the masculine, and the feminine energy. But like, you know, my, uh, uh, men as a whole, we have to conquer. Like, there's that—that's what we're here to do. Um, whereas with women, it's very different. So I actually was having this conversation with a friend of mine. It's like. My son will never get anything for sure. Um, my daughter, sometimes I think about that. I'm like, mm, if you found something that really makes her And this is like, for example, like where uh, I, it's, it, I, I know a person's level of intellect is very low when they bring up stuff like the, the, uh, the gender pay gap. Um, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out. Women do enjoy doing stuff that on average gets paid less. Um, so for example, and the reason I say this is because, you know, I would love for my daughter to live, have an incredible quality of life. And let's say she does end up deciding that her passion is something that's, uh, not extremely well-paying, but she does it number one. And number two, she has great reverence, you know, a deep uh, reverence, uh, a deep reverence and great respect for the craft. And she puts you know, a hundred percent in, then maybe I might supplement her income. If my son does that, Now
0: nah, you're on your own. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I think that the intention is good mm-hmm. in terms of helping. We want men and women to be equal. We want to treat people the same way. Mm. But, but that can sometimes manifest itself in incorrect behavior or behavior that doesn't actually make sense to our core as human beings. So it's a fascinating thing, treating people uh, tell, differently.
1: Tell me, tell me the, the, the world has gone fucking crazy, man. Like, yeah. Like it's, um, I think it's uh, growing up, like one of my, one of my biggest superpowers, honestly, is, is having uh, a Russian mother, like an Eastern European mm-hmm. mother who grew up in the Soviet Union. Like she's just so non bullshit, you know? And it's like, man, I'm so, I'm, so, I'm honestly so blessed. Like I, I would, I'm just being honest. I would hate, to grow up in the U S like your guys, like I see your guys, are obviously not, not you, but like as a whole, like the U S like the Western world, man, the, the morals are s- just so fucked. Um, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I also think that it's different when you're outside of the system, looking into it versus mm-hmm. actually in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you experience different things and the way it's portrayed might not be how it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. Um, but you know, I see a lot of similarities between you and Gary Vaynerchuk in the sense of entrepreneurs from a young age both have Russian mom and both adore Russian mom <laughs> and have a, a deep level of self-awareness for themselves and the world around them. And I, I just find that fascinating. Have you stopped and thought about that comparison or similarity at all?
1: No, to be honest, I think he's he's pretty different to me. Like he's... um uh yeah i don't know i think he, i think he's pretty different to me in the sense of like this stuff i i hear him say that i i vehemently dis- disagree with um like what like, let's get into it uh like the whole like oh in your 20s uh like eat shit for your 20s um i believe that but i believe you should be compensated for it like i think uh, if, as a man right and once again i the reason i speak so much about, like about manhood is because like i that's an area of interest of mine you know growing up no father having to figure this whole shit out on my own etc cetera, et cetera. and i as i said like men and women have very different paths in the same way like there's nuances you know in the same way like if you grow up in the western world compared to the eastern world different nuances like it's just it, everything is nuanced right um but anyways the reason i say loss is, is because like for me personally um i think the best time to build is between like 18 and 26, right? Uh, and I also don't agree with, like, like for example, like, I would never want his life in the sense of, like, he never had a 20s or a 30s. Like, uh, for me, it's just important to collect experiences as, as it is to collect money. Um, and I, man, like, I've, he's a psycho. I respect it. You know, I respect him more than anything, <laughs> right? In the same way, I respect, like, there's people, a lot of people who look at me and they're like, dude, w- w- you, it's not even like you don't never need to work again. Like, you, y- you like, you have like you have insane amounts of money like you know if I took all of my liquid net worth and I put that into um, like I did something like yield farming and I invested it um, with pretty much you know zero risk I'd be making 1.9 million dollars a year net after tax never having like working even if I slept 23 hours a day 365 days a year it doesn't matter uh, you know and a lot of people will look at that and be like dude why like in the same way I look at Gary Vee, and I'm like, dude, you're insane, like, wh- how, like, do you not feel like you're not missing out on stuff, and I have, like, friends of mine that look at me, and they're like, dude, you're insane, like, what just, you're done, like, that's it, you you won, like, go enjoy your yeah. life, uh, and, you know, for me, there's more pillars I want to, uh, and more uh, benchmarks I want to get to, so I guess, you know, everyone, like I said, I respect Gary Vee for the way that he approaches things, I also respect my friends who are like, dude, like, I have a much better quality of life, because I just, you know, I'm sure I make 100K a year, uh, but yeah, I, I surf and I do this and I do that. And, you know, I would never want your life and your responsibility with your companies. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff with, uh, Gary Vee. And to be honest, I think it's a lot of like, it's a lot of mainstream stuff as well. It's very like, uh, I, I think it's, it's good sound bites, but it's not good, uh, practically. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's, th- I think maybe sometimes his, some of his content needs to, um, he needs to provide a little bit more nuance for where you are in your stage of the journey cuz like once you get to a certain stage it's like hard work is is actually about as low down as it gets on the importance uh factor um and things that really move the needle so i think it's just like maybe if they were just more, but i also get it like you know his audience is very mass you know mass market so he needs to appeal to a, a broader range
0: yeah well i th- one thing i think you guys have in common is the extreme sense of, of responsibility for the self and Mm -hmm. self responsibility being a huge component. And you have a tattoo of Atlas shrugged Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm curious how that came to be. Was that a book you read when you were a kid? And yeah, take me through
1: that. Sorry, interrupt. Um, so Atlas shrugged, uh, basically the author Ayn Rand, uh, one of my favorite authors, like, Atlas Shrugged, and then um, Fountainhead. I, th- I remember reading Fountainhead. I was, like, 15. I was, like, 1,100 pages or something. I was, like, f- once I finished, I was, like, fuck, man, if I can read this, I can read anything. Um, but Atlas Shrugged was a book that really stuck with me, um, which is why I have it tattooed right here. Um, so, yeah, Alice Shrugged was something that, like, v- stuck with me a lot, um, and I think it's, like, a, a responsibility. As you said, it's kind of, like, a responsibility that I it's like a, uh, it's like a love and hate thing. Like sometimes I feel so like bogged down and I'm like, I have this sense of responsibility and I don't know why. Like there's just so many, uh, there's a lot of things that I take care of and people that I take care of and like just a lot of extra responsibility I put on my shoulders that I don't necessarily need to. Um, Like whether that be speaking out about things that I think aren't right, um, whether that be with severe hindrance to me and, and, you know, my career and stuff like that, whether that be, um, you know, obviously taking care of my mom, retiring my mom from a young age, whether that be, you know, building all the schools in Nepal, like, which, you know, one would look at and go, you know, why, why, why are you doing this? Uh, and it is said like, it's something that I actually almost resented for a little bit where I was like, why am I doing this? Like, th- just, just take care of yourself. Like, you know, um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's something I've always fought with. And I'm like, but then it gets my biggest blessing. Like, I, I guess I realized like the reason I am where I am today is because yes, of course I, I give and I am very, um, I don't know, like I put all responsibility on, but I'm like, but that is the biggest blessing. Like you have all this stuff because you take all this responsibility on. Um, so uh, I don't know. It's like just, always the thing to remind me, like basically the, 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 uh, consents to that book is like what, you know, Atlas shrugged, like holding up the world. Like what if all the people who felt the way that I feel, um, what if they all just like shrugged? Like, what if they all just like, were like, ah, eh, you know not Fuck this responsibility. Like the world wouldn't go round And, um, yeah, man, like, I think that's why, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm a very small, tiny, insignificant person in this world, but like, you know, the people who, uh, sort of think the way that I do, like they're, um, they live, most of them live a very like tormented life. Like it's a very, it's very difficult, uh, you know, and it's, um, it's a lot of, uh, yeah, it's a lot of responsibility, but it, in the same way, it's the biggest blessing. So I always have to remind myself of that.
0: That makes sense. And, and so take me, we were touching before about the difficulties of having everything you want, but still not feeling whole. And I know that summer 2020 was that time for you. Yeah. So take me through what was the what was the thought pattern what was going on and what did you do to get out of that?
1: Yeah, so um, yeah, basically summer of twenty twenty. I had just come off the back of probably the best uh, sort of emotionally and like just uh, like I don't know, mental state, like the best six months that I could have remembered. You know, it's just around the. Uh, time that, you know, the world started locking down, this, that. I was in Cape Town from January, right beginning of January, all the way until uh, the end of June. So that was, well, like six months. I basically got stuck there during uh, during lockdown. And, um, you know, I just, three weeks before or something like that, just come out of, like, a, a long-term relationship, like a two-year, not super long-term, but, you know, long-year-term relationship, like two years. Um, and it was uh, it was actually great, like, just being... It was me and one of my best friends, uh, Pete. We were like, you know, uh, he was basically like my uh, my uh, little quarantine date. Uh, and, we, you know, we basically just lived together. Um, and it was good. Like I was, you know, I was meditating a lot. Um, you know, I was just getting a lot of sun, being in Cape Town. Like it was, it was just very like peace. I felt very at peace. So I came from that and then I came to London. I came back to London, finally managed to get back in. Um, and... I don't know what happened, dude. Like, it was just one day, uh, it was somewhere around beginning of July, beginning of July to like end of August. It was like a six, eight week period where like I woke up and I started having uh, panic attacks. Um, And I'd I'd never experienced panic attacks, anxiety, anything like that before. Like, you know, I was, um, you know, I'd been meditating from the age of like 14, like every single day, uh, pretty uh, pretty religiously. I was just kind of, Took care of myself mentally. I thought I did at least. Uh, and to be honest, to this day, I still don't know what went on in the last six to eight weeks. But it was wake up every single day, panic attack, uh, and obviously me being smart and thinking you can fix everything. Uh, you know, in the in the physical world, uh, I went and I you know sat down and I started to meditate straight away every morning and thought that would make things go away. You know, doing breath work exercises and maybe a little bit of Wim Hof and this and that. And, you know, maybe that quiet and the the, 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 the noises for the voices for a little bit, but dude, it was like, I'm, I'm a person who, you know, maybe cries once every year and a half, two years. Like I cried multiple times a day, every single day for four to six weeks. It was to the point where like the right hand man at one of my companies, we were actually up in Manchester. I was like uh, boxing for like six weeks, um, at the time. And, uh, like he was sat next to me and we just got off a team meeting and like, I, Whatever, like I just we get off the team meeting. I break down. Bear in mind, it's like the right hand man in my company. Like obviously, you know, I have a great relationship, consider him a friend and this and that. But like still, you know, like it's like you know, it's not very appropriate uh, to do this. I just start breaking down, and I look at him. and I'm like, dude, I'm just honestly, I, I think a lot of be, you know, a lot of times I think it would be easier if I just wasn't here. And there was like, especially like a two three week period where I was like heavily, heavily, like not even contemplating, like strategizing how it, I, I would do it. Cause I knew that if I ended things, it would, if I ended things and it, it looked like it was suicide, I, my mom my wouldn't be around for m- much longer. Like that would be it. So I was strategizing ways that I could do it where it looked natural. So no one in my life would take blame for it. And Dude, I well, you know in, in the spiritual world there's something called a dark night of the soul experience. I guess that was my dark night of the soul experience, uh, and I don't to this day I don't still know why. I, you know I just came off the back of a very good six six months of my life, um, and yeah I don't know. I mean there's a lot of stuff from like my childhood. Like I had a very outside of the you know because people ask like you know did, did your childhood uh, you know is that the reason you are the way you are today and I, I, the financial struggles is yes. Cause that drove me. Uh, the other stuff, like I, I, grew up, uh, I grew up seeing just some very like fucked up stuff. Like I had a very like dark and twisted childhood. Um, like I, I had to grow up very, very quick. I, I saw a lot of things very early on that, um, you're not know, really meant to see as a kid. So that sort of stuff, I, you know, and I, even like my close friends, you know, don't really know much of, About what I went through growing up, Um, but even with the stuff they do, they're like, "Dude, I'm surprised you're not more fucked up." And uh, I'm like, eh no, I'm surprised my mom's not more fucked up because you know (laughs) she had to go through that, and then everything that uh, my mom went through with my biological father. um, Like, yeah, she she my mom lives a fucking fucking crazy life, man. Um, So yeah, that summer of the 2020, I don't know if it was like past demons kind of coming back and just being like. Yeah, you can't run away from, from us <laughs> that much longer. But uh, yeah, yeah whatever. everyone has a reason this stuff pops about. Um, but the one thing that I did uh, very well, or one thing that I'm very glad that I did was I had uh, a lot of good people in my corner. Um, and that's the thing. Like a lot of my close friends are like very spiritual. Um, or like a lot of, not close friends, a lot of the people I look up to like I have lots of friends that are worth hundreds of millions and billions. And like, you know, uh, my network is insane. Or like, I guess I'm actually very like, I'm a very closed off person. I don't really let, I don't really network much even. Um, so I wouldn't even say so much of my network more the people trying to network with me. Cause they're like, oh, the 22 year old whiz kid, like, you know, blah, blah, and, um, and yeah, you know, I've got a lot of friends who are hundred, you know, worth hundreds of millions and even billions. And they're not the people that I look up to, honestly. Like I don't, they're not the ones that I like in my mind. I'm like, how can I be more like this person? Of course, in some facets of life, but the, it's more like my spiritual friends that, you know, don't make that much money, but like, uh, I respect them as, as people. And like, I, you know, if you put them, if you put, doesn't matter all the worldly possessions and success I've had and this and that, uh, you know, especially considering my age, if you put them and me next to each other, like you'll see, I'm quite clearly still a boy and they're a man. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm lucky that I had a lot of them in my corner to, to kind of guide me through uh, what was quite clearly my dark night of the soul experience, and uh, I had a very intense uh, bout, but I was very lucky that it, it wasn't long-lasting.
0: Yeah, what was so fascinating to me was hearing that at 5 p.m. every day, it would just go away, and that, that was just like, I've never heard anything like that, but yeah, dude, I was, wonder why wow. that
1: was... That's why I felt it was like almost like demonic. Like it was, um, Mm -hmm. I wake up and like the first thing I was thinking, I was like, fuck this. I'm going to kill myself. Um, And it would, it was like that all day. And then at five, it was the weirdest fucking thing. Five or like six, it just went away. And I was like laughing. Like I was like me again. And it was like, it really felt like either some sort of bipolar thing or like it genuinely felt as though there was like something Consuming, like pulling the strings. And then it was like mm. showing me that it was there and, and its power. And then it let me be me again at five every day. Like it was, I don't know, it was, it was very odd.
0: <laughs> I think that we tend to overestimate sometimes the amount of control we have about particular things. Like a thought that just comes into your mind. Where does that thought come from? Like, why are you thinking that thing in that moment? And, you know, I think it's good on one hand to have extreme responsibility for what you do but try to picture or try to predict the next words that will come out of your mouth. It's like, where does that come from? Where where does that truth come from? So it's something I think about a lot. And I think it's important to realize that you can have extreme responsibility for things, but also understand that we are just pawns in this game of life.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as more time goes on, you you know, you really start to realize that as well. Like it takes a very wise person to, um, it takes very, uh, it takes a very wise person to take heed of that. Like it's, uh, as I said, it's, um, as time goes on, you like submit more and more, as you said, to the fact that like, you know, a lot less than you think, you know, and you're probably everything that you've accomplished, of course, is a large part or, or definitely there's a portion of you, but you realize a lot of it is, um, uh, you know, uh, the world coming together in certain ways and uh, yeah it's uh, a lot less of it is in your control um, than you you probably first think when you're uh, when you're the less wise
0: yeah, so we spoke about one of your tattoos, the Atlas shrug tattoo I'm curious about the private victories one yeah
1: so um, the private victories one is just uh, so private victories kind of became a bit of a buzzword it's from um, I believe it's uh, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People um, and uh, pub, you know it's basically this whole idea of public victories and private victories and I think a lot I guess I was thinking a lot like especially as I was starting to get like you get to like a, le- a level of success where like you know and I hit this uh, when I was 17 where you know you're making like 10,000 a month and you know maybe like you know 30,000 a month 40,000 a month whatever and then you get to like and you can do really cool stuff with that. Uh, you know, And that's probably like the most, like that's the golden year where like you can start to travel and you can start to have like a really cool apartment and all this stuff. And then you start to get to like, I remember when I was 18, I was in New York um, uh, on a client two-day training and I was, you know, uh, flown out business class, paid $20,000 for the two days. Uh, that month was the first month I hit t- uh, $200,000 profit in a month. And I was like 18. Uh, and like, I was able to do like, sort of a little bit more like, Fu money kind of stuff. And I remember I was like 2019. I started to enjoy myself a little more, uh, when I turned 19 and whatnot. And I was like, I think like all of these like sort of like worldly possessions and like these like physical things. And I was like, you know, these are like the public victories. And I was like, man, if people knew like the amount of pu- private victories that went into it. And obviously, uh, you know, me being young and still to this day, I'm sure if you saw me, you would probably just be like, Oh, it's probably like some trust fund kid or, or something like that. If like, you know, you just saw me walking down the street or this or that. and, um you know so i i found it funny because uh, 2019 i really started getting into watches like very expensive watches uh and yeah um you know i had you know watches that are worth whatever 100,000, 200,000 on my wrist at the age of 19 and um you know i would always have people look and i would see them look at my wrist and then i see them do like a double take look at me and i already knew what they were thinking uh so that's why I, it's almost just like a little funny thing to me, it's like, you know, private victories, like you guys don't know the private victories that I, I could see you looking at my wrist. I, you guys don't know the private victories that went into it, uh, to make this stuff possible. So it's just like a little reminder to myself. Um, it was a little reminder to myself that, Hey, you know, if you want the the public victories, it's, you have to stack the private victories, uh, many, many multiples more in order to make that happen. Uh, number one, that number two, as I said, it was, it's not funny at all, but it's, to me, it is it, it like a little, uh, you know, uh, made you look kind of thing.
0: Yeah. brings a smile to your face. It's so funny because so much of your life is public in the sense of like, you put your net worth out there. You talk about, you know, how much money you've made. Was there any, any hesitation to do that? Was there thought into, I'm going to put everything out there. I mean, it's cool to share, like when you're making $10,000 a month, this is what I'm making. When you get to another level is there like a level of, oh, I'm going to need to hire security at some point if I keep doing this or anything like that? No, I mean, I think, you know, uh,
1: people might look at it and be like, oh, why didn't he, uh, you know, made a video on how, you know, how he made $10 million in 2021. It's like, well, yeah, I also made a video of like, like this clips. People still send me clips back in 2015 where it's like, like <laughs> one, this guy sent me a clip and it's like me like in the bus. And I'm like, laughing with my friend. I'm like, dude, hopefully like next year we'll be able to afford to like Uber everywhere. You know, these are like fucking six, $8 Ubers, right? It's like, you know, it's nothing to like, nothing flashy, but you know, in the same way that I had no qualms about posting me going to bricks and Bookmongers because like it was just more economical at that stage to like buy used books than it was to buy new books. Like I was very open and honest about sharing then. So why would I be any less open and honest about sharing now? And it's, I think it's different when you come out the gate and you're already, you know, a a millionaire or multimillionaire and this and that. Like there's, um, you know, as I said, like people can look back on my YouTube back to 2015 where like, you know, I was like, you can see on my YouTube literally everything from like when I was making fitness videos of like, okay, this is what I'm doing right now in the gym. And here's the book that I'm reading this week. And here's blah, blah. And like, You know, and you can see all the way from that to like me signing my first ever client. I'm like, so I just signed my first ever client and it's big and, you know, my goal, it's 2016. My goal this year is to make 10,000 pounds like in the entire year. And then you can see me in 2017 when I signed like sort of my first, really, you know, my first few sort of high ticket clients. And I'm like, I just, you know, signed this client for 2,500 a month. And, you know, I just got my first, uh, had my first 10K month and this is insane. And all the way to, you know, each sort of uh, uh, check uh, benchmark. And I think the thing that I try to really get across um, in my YouTube channel, which, as I said, is, I guess, very different. Like, I'm very n- not PG compared to, like, a lot of other people. Like, I want to show – like, I was thinking about this. I was like, right now I'm in a stage where, like, I like to be very open and honest and help people increase their wealth. Um, I think the next thing that I would love to do, and this is maybe from 25 onwards, because um, I'll, I'll get to a point where I feel as I'm I'm done and I've sort of saturated everything about – like, I've, I've helped people get to that point – the next point will probably be something along the lines of like, I wanna help more with, I wanna help more with like, I wanna help more men with sort of, I guess their like social life and Mm -hmm. like a lot of like their social life, their dating life. Like I just see like, as I said, a lot of like issues in that world. Um, And I don't know, somehow I'd love to contribute with that. And then I guess the last thing that I would love to do is like, just help people with their their trauma and um, their spiritual journey and stuff. And like, I feel as though between those three, probably once those three are done, then I'll uh, go offline fully and probably never post another video again and delete all my socials and, and stuff like that. But for now, it's like, I'm just sharing stuff as I go along and it's like, I can help people make a lot of money and like I'm pretty good at that and I've done that in multiple different verticals and you know, multiplied it many times over with investments. Um, I can help people with a lot of things that I've learned and you know, one day I'll be able to help people with like really deep trauma work and you know when that happens i'll be able to share that but like i'm learning stuff as i go along and um you know i'm just sharing it sort of real time
0: yeah it's cool to witness the progression and especially for somebody who's been so open and so vulnerable with their life it's it's cool to witness and i was thinking the other day like we haven't seen a 20-year youtuber because the YouTube hasn't existed for that long. And it's like, when you really get to watch someone's journey as it unfolds, it's a really special thing. So, you know, one thing I was commenting you about before we, we hit record was that you've gone from working on your body and personal training, then you went to agency life and now you're into crypto. But what is so fascinating about you for someone like me, is that you have stayed consistent with all the things. You've stacked those habits and stacked those wins so that when you're onto the the crypto, you have you're not totally disregarding your body or your mind with meditation. And I'm curious how you've gone about doing that or why you think you've been able to do stacking in that way where you haven't totally disregarded something after being successful at it.
1: Yeah, so I think that's probably like the biggest Key and the biggest thing ever is like stack. And I even think these days when I'm looking at like a skill or like a trait I want to embody, I go, okay, let's say everything in my life, let's say like the thing that I think it's going to apply to no longer applies to. Like let's say there's a specific business that I want to learn this trait for. Let's say if that business goes away, is that something that will still, uh, you know, um, give me dividends for decades to come? So I think um, the other reason the stacking stuff is very important and I guess I, the one thing that I did well was I stacked correctly. Like mm-hmm. I, the big sort of thing I think I stacked was like self-education. Like that was the sort of big mm-hmm. first stack, you know, building block that I was like learning self-education and meditation. Then it was like, you know, body and, you know, uh, gym and nutrition and, and, you know, this and that. And then the big thing after that was like social skills. Like, man, I was like 16 going out with all my friends who were like 21, 22, like in the clubs, like in the best clubs in London, my fake ID, like, you know, uh, talking to women and, uh, you know, uh, doing all this crazy stuff in the clubs and whatnot. Um, and back then lying about my age and all this stuff. And, you know, after that point I, and also like when I was like, dude, when I was 14, I was 14 it was the first time I ever did LSD. Like by the time I was like 15, wow. like I'd done MDMA, Coke, like, basically like all, all the drugs And like, I am so grateful that I did because like, if I, uh, you know, a lot of people get like washed up in that once they end up making a lot of money and a lot of people get washed up in like the glitz and glam of like women. And I've seen a lot of like, even businessmen, like very, like very respectable men like get washed up because they're like, they're all of their, all of their energy is going towards like women and like, don't get me wrong. You got it out of your system. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have a lot of fun in that in that sense, like probably more fun than anyone else I know, you know. Um, although I try to stay a little bit more private about that stuff, um, but it's it's never my priority, right? Like my priority is always my mission and my work. Um, and I think as I said like the the way that I I think looking back, that's the thing I'm the most grateful of, of is like sort of the the linear path because as I said I've seen it where you know the first thing that people stack is wealth, and then you get to a certain point, and it's like. They have money, but then it's like, dude. Then they go fucking crazy. They like go crazy, and they like, they like all they can think about is like, you know, how do I have those like fun dating experiences that I've, you know, I've always wanted? And but, but the thing is, they may have the money, but and they think that that will get you that. But then it's like, you, it doesn't. Like you have to learn social skills, and you have to learn like there's just so many things that go into. It. Or like you know, they get all this stuff, and then they're like, oh yeah, but like my health's not in order, and I want to be jacked, and I want to be this and that, and like then they, you know, I, I think uh, the order of things is also. I guess, quite quite important. Um, so, yeah, uh, all of these things just, just kind of stack up on each other. And, and the more things you can stack, um, you know, uh, eh, the, be- the better quality of life will be. And, and the thing that I do as well a lot is I get really into something. Like I throw myself into something and then I do it uh, in a, I don't want to say an unhealthy way, but an unbalanced way. And then I really back out. Like I'll do it, I'll go through an immersion and I'll be like, okay, how do I actually now integrate this into my life in a sort of sustainable way um you know like even when i was like 14 15 like i was meditating an hour a day for me right now that's just not too practical you know sometimes i meditate more than others i mean uh you know now more recently it's been 15 minutes in the morning 30 minutes before bed which is you know pretty decent a lot of times in the year um it's like 10 minutes or 15 minutes just 10 or 15 minute meditation um you know so uh, same thing with like uh fitness same thing with you know, all, all sorts of stuff. It's it's. Um, I get really immersed in it, and then I sort of uh, try to integrate.
0: Yeah, I think that's super helpful because one thing that a practical example for people could be like when I started to track my calories and track macros for the first time. I did that for a year. I don't need to do that every year for the rest of my life. If if things go out of control with my body, I know what I can do to get back. But now I can just eyeball and and it makes sense. So. It's that period of complete lockdown in that specific avenue, and then just you can use the knowledge. And so that, that's certainly really helpful. For for you, have you thought about using any of these building blocks that you're talking about and creating courses around them? I know you have the education company, and I know it's mostly about wealth building at this particular, mind, particular time, particularly around the, the agency space, but... Have you said, oh, maybe I should teach a class on physical fitness or meditation or something like that? Yeah. So,
1: you know, the thing that I'm an expert in, right, is is yeah. building, well, I guess for me, you know, that business right there, my agency, which, you know, I started five and a half years ago. Like, that's the thing that I'm most proficient at. I have, you know, other businesses. Um, But as I said, that's kind of like my area of expertise. And not only my area of expertise, that is the business where... You know, if you want to get to 10k a month, like there's just nothing better than a service-based business, um, and it's because you can fall flat on your ass for four months, never sign a client, have no success, and it's not costing you anything. Whereas a lot of these other business models, there's actual genuine running costs, and if you fail, there are repercussions to it. If you fail, you know, with a you, you know, and you buy stock, you know, I have I, guess I don't have them lying around, you know, I have an e-commerce brand, I make these really cool blue light blockers. You know, there's been periods where. I've sent one hundred fifty thousand dollars for you know new sh- um, uh, a, a new batch a new production and I don't see that flip over in revenue for nine months, right? Um, so, you know the reason that I kind of have my education company, uh, uh, you know, around agencies and I stuck to agencies, even though I'll be honest, I know I could make way more money if I taught pe- people e commerce or like this thing or that thing, like and, and if I you know got into other stuff. But it, the reason I kind of stuck true is because like that's the way that I got to you know uh, 20k a month 30k a month when i was 17 years old um so yeah that that's why we helped sort of two people in my company C. com, or my education uh, platform um the people who want to get to you know are in college um, by the way this isn't a pitch this is like literally just <laughs> like give you context as of what we do um you know we help sort of like your everyday person because like i genuinely believe that's the best model and that's like from zero to ten and then we help the people who are like Ten twenty, or, you know, even five ten, and they want to get to, like, 100K a month with their agency. And what I will do is I will try to, like, frame it as in business, but then I'm going to sneak in as much shit that will actually help you as mm-hmm. possible. Like, dude, in my programs, I talk about, like, in my ten, in my program that tries to get people 10K a month, And I mean, look, there's people in there that have gone on to do 50, 60, but, like, that's sort of the main demographic. There's four or five hours on, like, mindset stuff about, like, Meditation, detox work, uh, how to remove distraction from your environments, how to remove EMFs like sort of the, the more light level stuff um, you know I run people through my monk mode protocol like I realized like honestly seventy percent of success is just stop drinking, stop smoking weed. I don't care if you say it's productive it, it does not help you you're not you're not one of those people who's more creative on weed I don't care uh, get nine hours of sleep, which sounds you know counterproductive, but it's not trust me um, if you can do those three things you're honestly pretty much 70% of the way there to like having a successful business because the tactics, they're honestly, like why is it, you look at it, you know, you look at sample size of like, let's say there's whatever, um, a thousand people who watch the same course or like watch the similar sort of YouTube videos. Like why did one be more successful? It's just because they were able to like, like they all saw the same information. It's the way, how did you digest and implement that information? So quite like information isn't necessarily information is available. Right. And of course there's stuff that's more, um, uh, uh, more impactful because it's taught by someone or it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, presented to you by someone who's just been so in the trenches for so long that they know things that other people don't. But for the most part, like information is readily available. So that's why like, you know, in, in my programs, um, I sneak stuff in there. Like I'll, 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 I'll lure you in with like the business stuff. Like I'm going to fucking, by the end of it, your mind is going to be a lot more quieter. You're going to be a much better person. You're going to understand company culture. You're going to understand yourself. Um, and that's like the 10K program. And then, you know, even in the 100K program or, you know, program that's trying to get people to 100K a month, um, I've got my detox coach in there. We talk about uh, psychedelics, uh, which sounds like why would that be in a business course? But we talk about psychedelics. We talk about uh, detoxing pro- protocols like Epsom salt baths, um, like a uh, uh, heavy steam sauna, like liver cleanses. This stuff sounds like it shouldn't, be important to get into hundred K a month, but trust me, like it is, Um, we talk about like serious, serious sleep, biohacking stuff. Um, So yeah, you know, it's uh, uh, on that point, I don't think I'll ever be, you know, strictly help people with uh, health or this or that. And, you know, there's people who are much better at at it than me. Um, But it's uh, in my communities and even through my YouTube videos and stuff like that, as I said, like, I'm not very like politically correct. And I don't give sort of like the standard advice um, and I, you know, like a lot of people want to make punchy videos. Like, you know, I'll share my seven life lessons for 2021 and just sit for an hour and just talk about stuff that's just probably most people won't really talk about. Um, so yeah, um, I don't think I'd ever dedicate like my full uh, life or education platform to, to those topics, but I want to sneak them in as much as possible because they're very important.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. And it seems like you do a good job of that, especially on your YouTube channel. You just said you had a detox coach. I've never heard anybody say they have a detox coach. What does that mean? How did you get a detox coach? And <laughs> take me through that.
1: Yeah, so detox coach is like, there's a lot of like, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in in what we drink, and what we eat, uh, in what we put on our skin that slowly kills us. Um, and, you know, when you're trying to get to a certain level, you, you're trying to get that next edge. Um, so for me, you know, I've worked with, you know i've spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands on different bio uh, biohacking equipment um medical grade devices that aren't even available unless you get a doctor's prescription like i have a, something called a beamer I sleep on um you know i've tried hyperbaric chambers i've tried um a a, a red a, a red light therapy device i have like i have all this stuff in my house um and you know I've, I've spent hundreds of thousands i will say like once again it's a similar sort of thing you you try everything and then you start to realize i actually probably usually less is more Um, But yeah, in terms of the detox coach, like um, I took my training very seriously and my recovery very seriously, but he was like that sort of cherry on top where um, he helped me with a lot of like uh, liver cleanse stuff, uh, a lot of uh, detoxification stuff, a lot of like limiting the EMFs around me, uh, stuff that a lot of people sort of roll their eyes at, but like, you know, I can tell you it it works. Um, So yeah, uh, 2019 I worked with. how did you find Detox coach, but just through Instagram or no on YouTube. So like you know, usually, usually the best channels are the ones that not people, many people are looking at. I don't know how I found this channel, but like uh I just watched like this two hour podcast, um and yeah, once again, I just did, like I, I, I did uh, or he had this two hour like presentation, and um he was talking about how he actually ended up he he had four or five year bout with suicide and depression, and this was mm-hmm. someone who was like an ex. Um, you know, uh, 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 what was it like, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu or something like that? Like, um, a champion. Uh, like, point is, like, you know, um, you know, uh, someone who is a uh, very proficient, uh, you know, at, at his craft, um, and was a world champion in it, and went from that to like, you know, uh, having a ha- having to teach his friend like a, a triangle choker, uh, you know, so that way he would uh, choke him out so he wouldn't jump off the thirty-fifth floor of of his apartment, um, you know, and like. I don't know, the thing that, like, I it gets, like, I get I, I barely ever cry, but I don't know why, like, when it comes to, like, seeing strong men, like, cry, like, I don't know, it just brings a, a tear to my eye. Uh, so I saw that, and um, a large part of that was um, he had heavy uh, uh, mercury poisoning from, like, uh, fillings, and, um, you know, then I started looking into that. I'd seen, like, a lot of examples, and I just started to realize there's just a lot of shit, as I said, we put in our system, in our, in our bodies, in our stuff, that, like, Um, you know, uh, that, yeah, it's just, is killing us. And, you know, I'm going to do this stuff regardless. Like, you know, when I'm not on monk mode, I will drink, you know, I will, I will, like, I will, you know, I'm not perfect in the slightest, I will poison myself and, you know, uh, do all this stuff. Uh, but day to day, if I can mitigate it as much as possible, then I'd like to.
0: What's the coach's name?
1: If you don't mind sharing. Uh, His name's uh, Josh Mason, a guy called detox, uh, detox dudes. He runs a company
0: cool yeah no we'll check that out and um you know it's funny you mentioned you will do all the fun the fun crazy stuff like the caffeine alcohol whatever and it's interesting because we live in a world of abundance right where you can have basically anything you want and in the past people lived in a world of scarcity and and it's like the abundance is great but you just need to have safeguards around it so how you've managed to do it is is monk mode and non monk mode. Are there any other safeguards you've put in place to limit yourself in a world of abundance? Um, no. I think
1: monk mode is the main thing because I monk mode and environment. Um, like yeah, dude. I'm very uh. It's you know, uh, I I struggle with that a lot. Like, dude, I, you know. As I said once again, I think this is where it's like the, I change. Like, I will say it's also different in the recent years because it's like from. 2014, like 2014 all the way up until like I, I'd i be 14 years old and like my friends would like want to hang out and I'd be like, no, because I, I haven't finished my book for the week. Like I will, I won't wow. hang out until, like, you know, like it's, even though I had nothing I had to do, it was like, it was to me, it was the principle, like I'm building like, and, and this mm-hmm. will pay off one day. Um, So in all fairness, I went through that from like 2014 all the way up until like 2019 and 2019, I started letting my hair down a little bit more and, you know, I still would have fun growing up as, as, as I said, I would, you know. Go to the clubs and you know uh, uh, <laughs> dabbled in a, a bunch of fun, different experiences and whatnot. Uh, but for the most part, I was like ninety eight percent of the time, I was a very, very straight shooter. And now it's just I got staged in my businesses where I have an incredible team, uh, and I've realized literally the most important thing once you get to a certain stage is, is hiring and, and and you know maintaining a good company culture, um, and getting to a point where there whatever you need to do, there's someone in your team who will do it better than you, anyways. Um, and you know, you're just there to steer the ship. Um, so now that I've gone to that point, now it's a little bit more difficult because it's like, man, there's a, when you have money, which means you have, uh, uh, options in terms of like when you have location freedom, time, you know, not only do I have financial freedom, a lot of people have financial freedom, but I have time freedom and location freedom. I can travel whenever, wherever, uh, uh my time is highly leveraged. Um, cause I, you know, my incredible team and I don't really need to work ever again if I don't want to, as I said, cause my investments have gone to a certain point. So because of all these things in, po- in place and also just being young, um, and being in certain social circles, like dude, there's temptation and there's like fun things going on, you know, 24 seven. Um, and that's why I was like, you know, I, I'm very, some people can do balance. I can't, you know, and, and I wish I could. Like, I'm very like, okay, I'm not drinking alcohol, no, no alcohol, no caffeine, no sugar, you know, doing my, monk mo- you know, uh, 30 minutes a day meditation, uh, meditation doing my monk mode protocol. And I will do that six months a year. And then four months a year, I'll be, I say this jokingly, like a raging alcoholic, like I'll be, you know, that's the, the way usually my year, uh, you know, recently, like 2019, 2020 and 2021, it's like six months a year, super focused in, um, super knuckle down. Uh, following uh, back then what was a monk mode protocol, but I didn't call it that. Um, you know, I, I just put that, I threw up on my story like 2021, like, you know, monk mode, blah, blah, blah and it just kind of caught on. Um, uh, but yeah, like that's the way I do it. Is, like first six months a year. Because also like the other thing is um, a lot of people, they go against uh, the current or they go against the tide. Like just, and I think this is a very, it's where it's very important to know yourself right and have self-awareness like i'm a a person who just for whatever reason the first five six months a year there's nothing i care about except for work like i i I don't know it's just the way the things are and by the time that it gets to june july august there is nothing that i care about except for having you know having some a glass of wine you know and And traveling and fucking having crazy experiences and so much fun and this and that. And like work goes from my first priority to like my third priority. Now I couldn't do this in 2017 because I didn't have the team and I didn't have enough time in the trenches and this and that. But you know, I've my team even knows this. The first six months a year, I'm the hardest working on the team. And for three months a year, I'm the least hardworking in the team. And then usually the last three months of year is kind of like a transitionary phase where, you know, uh, it's a little bit more of what people would call balance. Um, and, you know, that's just what works for me. And, uh, you know, I, I wish that wasn't the case. I wish I could be a lot more balanced, but
0: yeah, I enjoy it. It is balance in a way you're balancing yeah. out the, the hungriness and the, the laziness, but I think they both serve in some respect. You know, you said something really interesting about, how you look at your body versus how you look at your business. So mm. you were talking about how you look at your body is like you have nothing to prove, but with your business, you feel like there's something to prove and how it's a benefit when you have nothing to prove because you're just, it frees up mental space and it just feels better internally. So mm. I don't know when you said that, so it might not be true anymore, but if it is, talk to me about how you broke that down and realize that.
1: No, a hundred percent. Um, and once again, you can you've done your research, but, um, yeah, uh, I, I, said that once or actually quite recently, um, uh, in regards to like, when I go to the gym, right? Like I don't look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, you have a, what most people consider like a, a very, very good physique, um, and that makes you this, and that says something about you. It's just like, I look, and I don't go to the gym cause I'm like, I have to get to this physique. And once I get to this physique, um, or like if I get to this physique, like it will, it, it doesn't really feel, like, there's nothing about my physique that makes me feel more self-importance. Um, and I'm very happy that I've gotten to that stage. Um, and I compare that to like my business because while, although I've had incredible success, and I've had, I uh, said, I never need to work again and this and that. I'm just being honest. Like, it still doesn't feel like enough. I, I, In that area of my life, I still don't feel like I'm enough, right? And quite clearly, that's an insecurity of mine. And it's something I need to work on. And it's very interesting to me, as I said, because it's like, for people, obviously their finances is very important. But like, you know, most guys, if they could have like, most guys would fucking kill to have like the, the sort of body I have. And by the way, like, I will say also 90% credit to, my Russian genetics, like, you know, I'm very lucky in that. Like, honestly, like, I, I you know, I will say it's not all work and stuff like that. Um, you know, if you look at my mom, like, my mom is, like, 44 years old. Uh, I always joke that she's on, the, um, she's on the half a ball of wine a day and, and a, pack, a pack of cigarettes a day diet and, like, pastries and whatever she wants. And she literally has a six-pack. So, like, once again, like, I, it's far from just, you know, my own work. But instead of, I, I look at the, the way that I view that aspect of my life and like the way that I view my business and like, as I said, I still, I don't feel like my business, I need to do it for anyone else or anything like that. But it's still, I don't feel necessarily like enough. And- What
0: work could you do to feel enough? Like what what do you, you actually know. do in practicality to feel secure in yourself for the, the stuff you've done? I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think I think it's
1: just something that will come with time, honestly. And maybe, you know, in the same way that I started- training very like seriously when I was 14, you know, uh, and you know, it's, it's not something that really like I think about, or it's not something where I really place mo- any self-importance on. I think maybe that same thing happened with my career. Cause in the same way, like in 2019, uh, I was very different to the, am- to the way I am now in 2021. Like I, um, yeah, I'm very, di- I guess I'm very different to the way I am now in, or, or sorry, in 2022. Um, and like, I'm a lot less, um i i take a lot less pride or a lot a lot less self importance on my like career and my work in and this net and, and like i also uh i i feel like i'm a lot more humble now than i was at 19 like in 19 i felt like a godsend whereas now at 22 i'm like man 50% of it was just fucking luck and timing and like y- 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 you know so and and even like the way that like i don't know i i dress and like i the way that i act with people I don't know. Like, for example, like, you know, these days, I'll be honest, if I don't know you, like I don't ever tell people what I do. Like most of the time I just make up something like I'm in the avocado business or (laughs) stuff like that. Like I'm very like, um, you know, I just very like downplay everything in my life, um, with with, you know, with people who don't know anything about me that I just meet, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I think in the same way, hopefully, you know, in four years, uh, I don't have this. And I will say uh, as well, the other thing is a lot of it is environment. Like, I'll be honest, I like, like genuine, just a genuine like respect for what you're doing and just doing it for the, for the love of, like, I I love my work, but um, there's also levels to it. Like, or there's, there's periods where I love it more for really what it is. And then periods where I love it more for what it provides. Um, And like, that's why I'm infatuated with, for example, Cape Town. Like when I don't, I'm, you know, I feel energy like quite a lot. And like, you know, I moved to Dubai Uh, you know, like before this, I lived in London, you know, for 17 years and in London and Dubai, like, you know, it can be quite, you know, a lot of people say a lot of times of like, oh, to be successful, you need to be around a lot of wealth. I don't believe that's true, like at all. Like I make the most, I I make the most amount of money technically, although I probably usually see it a few months later, uh, you know, actually um, uh, like show up in the businesses. But like I make my most progress when I'm around the least amount of money, like when I'm in a place like Cape Town, because it's just like, everything gets stripped away and you know everything just returns to like a love of the craft and the issue is sometimes being in places like london dubai no matter how wise i am and how many times i learned, you know learn these lessons there's still always that thing of like you know you look at it and like dude like i look outside my window right now uh there i i look outside my window right now there's 20 30 million dollar plus yachts like within i i saw I, you know like out on the out this on is the dubai yeah, in Dubai, right? Yeah. And then it's like no matter like how, it doesn't matter that I made ten million dollars last year. I'm there's still always that aspect of like ah, I can't afford that, y'all, <laughs> right? And it's like, and and by the way, I genuinely I think if you surround yourself in that environment, I think it never goes away. I think no matter how wise you are, it yeah. never goes away. And I think that's why, like for example, when I raise you know when I have a wife and I raise my kids, I won't raise them in a in a large city. Like I don't. I, I think no matter how wise you are you are 70% of your environment around you. If your environment around you, you, you know, um, uh, uh, sort of attracts that and brings that out on people, um, you know, I think you have no luck. So luckily I think uh, I'm wise enough to kind of understand that. And that's why, you know, I like to spend a lot of my time uh, or, or, or a lot of the year in Cape Town because I think it just brings me back to a love of the craft because I still, I love the work as much as I do here, as much as I, uh, in, in Cape Town as I do here. But here there's the, ah, uh, but look, this is what the work brings you
0: as well. Uh, And it adds in an extra element. Are you familiar with Paul Graham? Uh, No. So Paul Graham, he's a venture capitalist in the US, and he's got this great statement or framing that I think about constantly that you just touched on, which is that every city whispers something to you. If you go to New York it says, make more money. If you go to LA, it says, be more famous. If you go to San Francisco, it says, be more impactful in the world. If you go to uh, Harvard, it says, you know, be smarter. And so Paul Graham, just a wise, wise guy making the same observation you just did, which is just that every city whispers to you. And mm-hmm. it's fascinating to see how it play out. And you can't re- what is, so what does Cape Town whisper to you?
1: I don't know. For me, it's like, uh, uh, for me, Cape Town's a, a, a city that actually kind of reminds me a little bit of like LA, um, you know, in like the, the clout perspective. Like, it's a, there, it's, uh, yeah, it definitely is a little bit about uh, the cloud and, you know, uh, you know, social media and this and that on, you know, one tenth of the scale. Um, but luckily, Cape Town's also a place where, like, you know, I really just go to escape. Like, you know, I just got a new six bedroom villa there. Um, beautiful six bedroom villa, um, you know, uh, gym in my house, steam or not steam, sauna, um, jacuzzi, like, you know, everything that I could want. Um, and I'm calling it the monastery, uh, cause that's, you know, really like my headspace when I go there. So, you know, um, I will say that for me personally, like when I land in Cape town, like instantly there's just like something, like I just feel good. Um, mm. and there's certain places in the world where you just like Iceland is one of them. Like, I just feel really happy there, man, like for no reason. And like, I feel very grounded. Right, and there's places in the world where you feel very frazzled, like New York, like Dubai, like London. Funny enough, I actually feel quite calm. Like London can be both. Like London to me can be Jekyll and Hyde, um, where I can feel super grounded there, but I can also feel very like you know there's a, a lot of uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of temptation, a lot of things to do, and a lot of like a lot of wealth, and a lot of like you'll just be going for a walk and you see you know uh, this thing and you're like oh that looks nice and and you you get dragged into a different mental thing. Um, so yeah, for me personally, like, I just love Cape Town because it's uh, it's very if you kind of say to yourself like it's just a very like peaceful. Um, yeah, it's just a very peaceful place for me.
0: Yeah, we've spoke about playing a lot of different games: playing the the money game, playing the spirituality game, playing the health game. I'm curious, what game are you currently playing?
1: Uh, I'd say the, definitely the big focus uh, now is uh is definitely the money game for the rest of the year. Um, you know, I'm trying to maybe this, maybe this is this first time publicly announcing this, but uh, basically, okay. I am um, I am trying to get to 20 million uh, by the end of the year. 20 million twenty million twenty million net after tax. Um, so basically, double what I have right now. Uh, and yeah, after that, I made the decision after this year that I'm going to semi-retire. <laughs> I'm going into semi-retirement for like 10-15 years. So basically, what that means is Uh, I'm only going to let myself work 20 hours a week. Um, And, you know, the reason that is, is because like, everyone has this idea of like, oh, my 40s, 50s, like the dream is to retire. And when you're 40s, 50s, you can't actually do that much. And I'll be honest, like chilling isn't fun. Like no matter who you are, Um, I get it. I'm a very like ambitious, driven person, but like, I want to semi retirement because I'm in this unique position at the age of 22, where I said, I think with very high likeliness, I'll have $20 million dollars. You know, uh, at, the end of, uh, at the end of this year, and that can yield, if you do things right, it can yield, um, you know, anywhere from two to three million dollars a year in cash flow, um, and with that, um, you know, I can really live my life. And that doesn't mean I'm not shutting down my businesses at all. It's just once again, as well, you, I've started to realize, like, even recently in the last month or so, I'm like, wow, there's there's nothing I need to do anymore. Like it's insane because uh, I have I've hired people who are better than me in all these departments in every aspect of the business so i still fully intend on scaling my businesses growing my businesses but just being disciplined myself that i'm only allowed to work 20 hours a week uh another 20 hours are and also the other thing is i've cultivated a team where um in my company is people have a percentage of profit share when they've been in the company long enough so they're just as incentivized to grow it as i am um and yeah in the other 20 hours a week or however many hours a week when i'm not working um I intend on getting really proficient at skiing and going to Buenos Aires and learning how to tango and learning how to cook and like climbing Everest and like doing all these things. Whereas for me, it's just like, I know I'm going to be a billionaire. Like it's, it's not in the same way. Like I knew I was going to, you know, I knew I was going to get to 10 million after tax. Like I I knew I was going to do it. I just thought I'd do it probably closer to like 30, not 21. Um, you know, so like I, I I knew all these things were going to happen. So, I know I'm going to hit a billion. And for me, when I get married, I want to kind of get married and have kids probably like late thirties, maybe when I'm 40. Like for me, when I'm married, like, dude, all I'm going to do is hang out with my kids, hang out with my wife and build businesses. Like, cause I actually really love it. And up until my deathbed, like, I'm still going to be in the world of business. Like I actually really love this stuff. Like building is really fun. It's just, as I said, like I would, you know, for me, like I'm in such a cool position, like, and I'm a cool position where I don't have to drop things. I can, they can still grow. But as I said, I can collect all these memories and stuff like that. And I think that's such an awesome thing to be able to do. So that's right now for the rest of the year, I'm in the money making phase.
0: I love it, man. It's like Drake said, 25 sitting on 25 mil is, is what you're <laughs> hopefully going to surpass and, and make your own lyric. But uh, <laughs> before I let you go, I'm curious if you have any final pieces of parting wisdom for the people uh, we will put all your socials below and everything like that, but just any final pieces of parting wisdom. Um, let's see. Um, I think we've talked about
1: some pretty interesting things about like the whole, uh, stacking, like just stacking skills, uh, as much as you can. And that's really what makes you, um, you know, that re- that's really what makes you a, uh, that's really what makes you, uh, you know, a force to be reckoned with when you look back or, you know, when you look back five years, 10 years from now, um, so that stuff and i'd say i don't know outside of that man it's like outside of that just do a lot do a lot of the inner work like mm. i'd say that's that's the big thing is do a lot of the inner work and uh try to do it as early on as possible because like the same revelations that like i have to this day of like you know like most most billionaires won't even look at themselves and be like i'm still not happy with one billion I want two billion because fundamentally I don't think I'm enough, and it's like, do I? You know, I guess a lot of that stuff comes from like a very difficult childhood, very very difficult childhood. So it's like, I haven't fixed it, but at least I've acknowledged it. You know, and like I guess that's the first step there. Like, you know, um, and it's uh, as I said, I think that the sooner you do, you know, you get into meditation, you do this work, like the better. Uh, and if you think it's not going to have any positive effect on your future and tangibly, like, trust me, like I've seen so many people shoot themselves in the foot because they don't have enough self-awareness. So like the sooner, as I said, you can start meditating, the sooner uh, you can go for a walk and don't take your phone with you. Just like be alone with like the demons of your thoughts. Like, I know it's it's not fun sometimes, but um, yeah, the better you, the sooner you can do that, uh, the better.
0: Well, I couldn't agree more. And I, I see the inner work that you've done come out so clearly in in this conversation on your YouTube channel as well. Recommend everyone check that out. Thank you, E-Man, for taking the time. I really appreciate it.
1: And honestly, thank you. And um, yeah, this is probably the most well-prepared podcast I've ever done. Um, Yeah, big, big, big hats off to you, dude. Very impressed.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to that episode with Iman Godzi. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. It means so much to me that you would spend one hour and 16 minutes with me. And if you have any comments about this episode, let me know on Twitter at HeyDannyMiranda. Always love hearing your feedback about these episodes. And I'd also be honored if you would share it with somebody you think would enjoy it as well. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode or on TikTok at HeyDannyMiranda or on Instagram or YouTube. Love chatting with you and seeing you in all those places. But I hope you have an incredible rest of your day or night and hopefully we will connect soon. Peace.